Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it is time. We've got some great guests coming up and we've got time to get Pro-America. Um, <laughs> I have a bad news on that front here, um, but I will um, explain that to you. In a couple of minutes, we'll talk with John Schlafly, who will address the liberal world order, the liberal world order. The liberal world order is the effort uh, by um, Joe Biden and uh, the modern uh, Democrat Party and then establishment Republicans, all sorts of people to rebrand America as America last and then we'll serve the world first, the liberal world order. It used to be called the new world order under George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton uh, shifted a little bit. We'll also talk with my friend Joe Johnston, the uh, uh, great uh, lawyer and author of the book, The Decline of Nations. And we'll talk about what he sees going on and a lot more. But first, what you need to know, if you go over to Pro America Report dot com proamericareport.com, you can sign up for the daily email that I send out. It's called the Daily Wink. Wink comes from W-Y-N-K, what you need to know, what you need to know, what you need to know. And um, you will be enlightened every day if you get that sign up for that email. It's free. It goes into your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. So uh, sign up there. All right. What you need to know today is this. Uh, Joe Biden and his administration, it took them a while. They they can't do everything at once because you'd see it all. You might notice it all. They have to keep slipping things in. So it's the dog days of summer. Most of D.C. is gone away. The media is gone. The swamp isn't drained, but it's empty of the swamp. The beasts of the swamp go off to the shore and to the lakes and other places because it's hot. And the Congress is out of session. They're home. The incumbents are home uh, campaigning and using their positions of authority and power to raise money uh, to beat uh, everyone. So in the midst of all this, you have to watch very closely. And if you look closely, you can see the Biden administration floating one of their priorities to see what kind of reaction they get. So if we can do our job, let's try to drive some attention to this. uh, The details here over in Politico. There's a very um, light story written kind of breezily that the Biden administration is considering uh, getting rid of the tariffs against China. We say, wait, why would they do that? The communist Chinese regime, as we talked about earlier this week, they have. Well, they gave us the Wuhan virus. They lied to us about it. They lied to us about the timing of things. They cheat on intellectual property. They cheat on environmental regulations. They cheat, cheat, cheat. And we don't cheat. And we get beat, beat, beat by the Chinese. They have TikTok, which is destroying our uh, communities and our young people, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Uh, Joe Biden. And oh, and remember, Donald Trump said we're going to slap tariffs on these people because at the very least, if they're going to cheat, 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 we should make them pay for it. And that's effectively what tariffs are. Tariffs are a penalty for cheating. 
And Joe, and we were told by everybody under the sun, if, oh, no, 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 you cannot, you cannot do tariffs. It will act as a tax. It will be passed on to the people. It will uh, slash. It will tank the economy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Joe, and what did uh, Donald Trump do? He slapped tariffs, Strong's tariffs. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars a year tariffs on the Chinese and their goods. And what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened except it made it more difficult. It made it uh, the cost higher for the Chinese goods. And therefore, American goods were more competitive. That's the point of tariffs to level the playing field, because if you're in China and you're cheat, cheat, cheating, you're subsidized by the communist government, you're not obeying environmental rules and not 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 obeying labor rules, all those kinds of things. And you come over and send sell a widget for a dollar. And here in America, I have to work hard and make the widget for a dollar ten. I'm at a disadvantage. If you have to pay the real price of your widget and don't cheat, cheat, cheat. You're competitive and you have to pay 110, whatever. You get the point. So a tariff says, if you're going to make your widget by cheating, we're going to make you pay a tariff that will even it out so we can compete. And it worked. It works. It always works. Well, the Biden administration has decided they're floating this. They're getting ready to get rid of tariffs against the Chinese. Why? Well, the excuse they're giving is that the, the, they think maybe it could possibly, maybe, or sort of, could have, maybe, partially, I don't know. Could maybe. T- what? By the way, you're, the recording is not uh, failing. I'm just messing around. But they're, they're saying maybe possibly relieving tariffs on goods will make it cheaper for Americans and that will affect inflation. Nonsense. Nonsense. Well, not, it's complete nonsense. It, it, maybe it would work if they got rid of every tariff, but they're not going to do that, I don't think. But I, and even then it wouldn't work. But here's the trick they're doing. So they're floating this. And the first $10 billion of the tariff that they're going to relieve of the Chinese is on bicycles. So think of the irony. You're going to get your bike. You're going to be able to buy a bike cheaper than you would now. You're going to be able to buy your bike. This is really, truly what the Biden administration is telling the media. We're going to lower tariffs on Chinese-made bicycles so you can buy your bike cheaper. And, of course, you're going to have to buy a bike because you can't afford to run your car. You can't afford to run your your boat. You can't afford to run your motorcycle. You can't run anything. You can pedal, though. You get your bicycle. You can pedal. Imagine. I mean, it, it, it sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit. You know, gather around the Oval Office. Joe Biden says, what can we do about inflation? I, I got the idea, boss. I got the idea. Let's re- let's relax tariffs against the Chinese. And, and Biden says, wait a second. Aren't we aren't we reading in the polling that people hate China and they they're worried about the communist regime and they don't want to give in to China? And shouldn't we be tough on China? Yeah, yeah, boss. We'll, but we'll just say we're being tough on them on other stuff. But here's the idea. We'll do we'll relieve the tariff on bikes. Oh, that's good. We like bikes. And President Biden says, I rode my bike last week. Everybody covered. I fell on it. But, you know, I think it turned out pretty good because most people said, wow, he's almost 80 years old. He's riding a bike. And what the heck? He looks pretty healthy. Oh, yeah. Bikes. Let's do that. That's how we'll we will relieve inflation on the American people who can't afford seven dollar gas. And and, uh, uh, the price of milk has gone up twice, double, double to get a gallon of milk, et cetera. So I went to get um, a a windshield replaced on my car. And the woman told me, look, the price of glass glass has gone up about 100 percent in the last year. So here's where we are. We're being told by the president of the United States, we're being told by the president of the United States Just, hey, hey, sorry. Just go ahead and ride your bike. We're going to give the Chinese more money. We're going to give the Chinese continued access through TikTok and everything else. But we're going to ask you, part of the liberal world order, 
as long as it takes, Joe Biden said, we'll continue to subsidize the liberal world order. And you know what? As long as it takes, the American people will suffer, but they can ride their bikes and they could buy their bikes a little cheaper. And the Chinese will make a little bit more money, but we'll have a little less inflation because the bike sales will go down. That's what they're floating. And what they're really doing, I can tell you, in a political article in mid in early July, they're in the hot dog days of summer, nobody's here. They're testing it. They're testing to see the reaction. What is the reaction of the people? And the politicians to relaxing the tariffs on Chinese goods. And the multinational corporations want this. Walmart, everybody wants it. I'm sure they all want it because they want cheaper goods because they want people to buy more stuff still. So they're probably all for it. And so the politicians are probably all for it. But this is a flow. This is a, um, this is a, a test balloon that's being floated to see what the reaction is among the American people. If you have the will and are inclined, I ask you to object to object immediately, object to your elected official, object to your politician, object to your friends and family. We do not need to give the Chinese a break and drive more bikes because Joe Biden can't figure out how to get rid of inflation. You want to get rid of inflation? There's lots of ways. Stop spending and printing money is the biggest one. But the second biggest is do everything you can to lower our energy costs and make it so people can afford to ship something, you lower the cost of gas, diesel, regular gas. People can ship stuff across the country. People can move things, buy things, travel, etc. Don't make us ride our Chinese bikes, Joe Biden. What a joke. What a joke. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Schlafly about the Schlafly Report, the weekly column, and the liberal world order, and a lot more after that. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly is the co-author, the uh, co-author with his brother Andy of the Schlafly Report, which uh, uh, debuts at townhall.com uh, each Tuesday, usually late afternoon, early evening, and then is also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Weekly column, uh, like their mother did, the late Phyllis Schlafly for decades, wrote a column. And uh, in particular this week, the title, which could have been a, a Phyllis Schlafly title, it feels to me, John, is, uh, is this, Liberal World Order, colon, as long as it takes. And within this column, John and Andy Schlafly are quoting uh, the use of liberal world order by Joe Biden's uh, one of his senior officials. And then the follow on that um, we're going to you know, be, keep at this for as long as it takes. So welcome back, John. How are you? Uh, good, Ed. Good to talk to you today. Now, isn't it true? Isn't it George H.W. Bush that first or maybe famously used the phrase new world order? Am I getting that right? The memory? Yes. Yes, that is right, uh, Ed. And then uh, Joe Biden himself used the term New World Order just a couple of months ago. But, um, you know, some people say that New World Order raises a specter of so-called conspiracy theory, but they do go with the term liberal world order or sometimes liberal international order. And basically that's what these people want. And that means uh, uh, experts deciding everything without regard to what the actual people want. Well, and John, but back when the, George H.W. Bush used the term New World Order, of course, we're coming at that time coming out of the Cold War, which had had sort of um, fixed 
the uh, the uh, sort of rivals in the world, but the Soviets and the Americans for 50 years. So the New World Order, and at the time he floated it, um, a lot more of the specific internationalist steps were associated sort of immediately with it, weren't they? Like uh, pretty quickly, the development of the uh, strengthening of NATO or maybe the expansion of NATO in the 90s, uh, the um, the uh, UN's role in peacekeeping in the world, um, the, some of these specific kind of um, uh, 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 World Trade Organization, World Health Organization, all those uh, things seem to blossom more uh, specifically, almost like if you don't have to focus on the Soviets world, let's focus on building out these bureaucracies. Am I over reading that? No, I think you're exactly right, uh, Ed, uh, uh, that these, you know, agencies which started uh, small, but as you say, they were, they, the goal was to build them out and they blossomed. I think those are two good expressions to the point where they're engaging in rulemaking and lawmaking for the whole world. And, um, you know, you might compare it to, you know, a little bit what we've seen with uh, regulatory so-called independent agencies in the United States, which the Supreme Court has just rightfully cut back in its decision involving uh, the EPA. And the Supreme Court said, wait a minute, EPA, you're not Congress. You can only do what Congress gave you the authority to do. Well, it's much the same or should be on the world stage. These agencies like the World Trade Organization, the NATO and so on, they have no more authority than what national governments gave them. They can't go off on their own, which is what they're trying to do, and basically tell nations, you know, that they're in charge and we have to follow the norms that they set. But Joe Biden is all in with this. And so, you know, if it were up to him, you know, we were being under a regime of global governance and the United States will have to do and pay for, of course, the majority of the bill for what those agencies want. Uh, We're talking with John Schlafly. And and before we go to the column directly, uh, may I um, make an argument to you that I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have enough of the history, but I, I want to see if it plays in your, in the, in the broad strokes correctly. Um, in the nineties and you had Bill Clinton in and Bill Clinton, remember he was in one of the places where our own organization, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles got actively involved. He decided he was going to, uh, was it harmonize? Is that the right phrase or, or harmonize the patent system in America that worked so well with Europe. And there was all these movements to, as you say, as blossom, the international, uh, connective, uh, organizations and and they all bloomed and they all went they were funded and all that because the, the, but but starting with the the Iraq war and Afghanistan and after 9/11 the shift became and there were still these entities became perhaps something like promoting the the quote unquote liberal worldview abroad not just promoting but instilling it and so the uh, the vision the i think we call it, characterize it neocon but it, it, in some sense it was the liberal you know broadly liberal um well, let's go over and make uh, egypt just like us let's go over and make iraq just like us let's go over and make all these places just like us if we're just really i don't know nice to them and well and beat them senseless with our military then we'll have it and that 
relatively, we can say, sort of failed. That experiment uh, failed pretty miserably. It took a decade or more. Uh, but that became the liberal. So they're not even saying new world order because it implied implies maybe this all that bureaucracy. The liberal world order, I think, is meant to say it's a values based thing. And we'll tell you when we see it, little people. Just keep funding it, whether it's a U- Ukrainian war uh, or or a um, the international funding of of uh, whatever. We're going to tell you. Does that sound like a shift that it's rhetorical? Is it realistic? Am I overreading it? Well, of course, the the people who are promoting this, um, you know, there there's been there's been a ever since I guess the end of the Second World War, there has been a group of intellectuals who've been promoting this idea and they feel like this is the world we live in now and uh, national governments are kind of obsolete. Uh, you know, they do part, part of this ideology is that they, what they say is, uh, you know, borders can never change, even though national borders have changed many, many times over the years and the national borders in Europe and so on that we see now have shifted you know, many times over the last century and two centuries, but um, uh, but the border between Ukraine and Russia cannot be allowed to change. The border between, you know, Iraq, Iran, Kuwait, and those countries can't be allowed to change. That was part of the ideology that uh, started with uh, the first George Bush and is now continuing with Joe Biden. All right, so and, John, and I would just mention. Yes, I mean, it's kind of a breaking news ad that this just happened. Yesterday, while, you know, while we were still writing the column is that representatives of 42 countries met yesterday in Lugano, Switzerland, Mm -hmm. and they've already established a declaration for how Ukraine is going to be reconstructed after the war is over. And 42 countries signed it. Somebody signed it on behalf of the United States that the Americans didn't even know about. And they've allocated the $750 $750 billion as the oh. preliminary estimate of, you know, what it will cost to rebuild the Ukraine. And of course, you can just, you, can, you know, all your listeners know where that money is expected to come from. And uh, uh, John, we're, we're talking with John Schlafly before I, I want to keep on this uh, on the column. Um, I don't want to lo- lose our time. Um, the liberal world order in the column, you do this phrase as long as it takes. I, I think I know that it was that's a, re- a reference to uh, Biden. Uh, I don't really know. I don't really know if um, it, it, what context he said it in. Was it just the war in in Ukraine? Was it uh I don't know what. I mean, is it, it? How do you read the whole thing? I guess he's talking about Ukraine is the quote I'm seeing from him. But um, uh, well, he was specifically asked about how long will Americans have to endure unprecedentedly high gas prices? That was the question that he was asked at the press conference last week in uh, Madrid, Spain. Right. And he was first asked that by the Associated Press and then The New York Times. They both they had the same question, basically. You know, you know, you've told us that. uh high gas prices are due to the war. Well, okay, how long do Americans have to put up with that? And his answer that he repeated, you know, time after time, every time the question was asked, he said, as long as it takes. Meaning, meaning, you know, I guess we gather that we're going to, that this is the new normal. We're going to have to put up with these high gas prices and pay that price for as long as it takes for Ukraine to defeat Russia in the war and push Russia out of Ukraine, which is not going to happen, 
I don't think. It doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. And so what that's telling us is that, you know, high gas prices are not going away during the rest of Biden's presidency. Well, and so, John, if you could take this, pull it back a little bit. If we now have a description of the liberal world world order, which says as long as it takes, we Americans will will suffer, will quote, they say sacrifice. We say suffer uh, for some other nation's uh, um, purported goals. Aren't we right back to it's just a very simple question. Are you for America first or are you for America last or at least America behind other nations? Right. I mean, it couldn't be a better contrast, as you point out. It, it, it's it's um, one of the things I don't think is covered enough is Joe Biden acts like a senator as president. He, he gets talking points. He doesn't engage the questions. He's not having he's not trying to show leadership. He's just saying over and over, because if you're a senator and you say something over and over, that's what they have to take away because you're a senator. You don't have to listen to anybody. You can be, can, can't be impeached. Barely, you know, nothing. So he says over and over, as long as it takes, as long as it takes, as long as it takes liberal, liberal international order. I mean, this is the opposite of America first. And doesn't it open up? It opens America up to say we want America first again. It is America last. There's no doubt about it. And by the way, you know, the describing the Democratic foreign policy as America last, you know, that has a long history. (laughs) Phyllis Schlafly talked about that in A Choice, Not an Echo. And she talked about it, you know, going back to the beginning of the history that she told in that book, which goes back to the 1930s, 40s, 50s. And uh, so that's what we're seeing here. You know, in other words, you know, as long as it takes is another way of saying there's no end in sight, uh, because the future of America is being subordinated and subjugated to the interests of somebody else who people are not Americans. And uh, so that's the de- definition of an America last policy, foreign policy. And of course, we've got to turn that out. We've got to get rid of it. You know, we've got to. And unfortunately, there, uh, you know, a significant number of Republicans who adhere to that same idea, which under the guise of bipartisanship. So we've got to be on the lookout for them too, because what we want is to put America first last and always in our national government policy. It's uh, it strikes me that it's really an opening, maybe more concretely than not, because, I, again, I haven't seen the polling, but more and more people are, are, are wondering what why are we we're fun, funneling money to uh, Ukraine. However, um, it, it looks like the left is counting on the distraction of the next crisis, right? And moving on to the next crisis. And I, and I wonder if, um, as you said, you and I are having an exchange, I think by, by text or, or, or uh, um, uh, mail that um, will it catch on? Will people understand what liberal world order means or will it sort of, uh, you know, move on to the next crisis? I mean, I, that's one of my worries. Well, the next crisis, yes. Uh, of course, crises do pop up on a regular basis, even though we don't know exactly where they will be. And, uh, you know, this is perhaps a little bit off topic, but we just had a shooting in Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, which has all the, you know, the state of Illinois has all of the gun control regulations, you know, red flag laws, you know, restrictions on ownership and so on that are being talked about in Congress. And, and, and yet we still have the shooting anyway. So that is really an object lesson to mm-hmm. uh, what can and cannot be done. Yeah. in terms of gun control in the Second Amendment. Yeah. All right, John Schlafly, I got to run. The column, again, is up over at uh, townhall.com and then uh, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Liberal world order, 
as long as it takes, Joe Biden is going to be overseas. And I think, John, I think you better write on that uh, agreement out of Switzerland. I, I, I hadn't even heard that. So when you're putting that, speaking about that and our commitment to uh, the Marshall Plan for Ukraine, which will cost us tens of billions of dollars. And meanwhile, our own people and our own uh, nation are suffering. So, uh, John Schlafly, thank you. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, you just heard a few moments ago my interview with John Schlafly, where he referred to the fact that uh, uh, Joe Biden has now repeatedly used and his staff has used, senior staff, the phrase liberal world order and use the phrase, another phrase, as long as it takes to describe how long we'll stay in the Ukraine and how long we'll have high oil prices and high uh, uh, inflation because somehow um, Biden has figured out what uh, we all need to do and suffer for for somewhere else in the world. Well, as I was hearing that, I was talking to John Schlappi about it yesterday. I pulled off my shelf the decline of nations, lessons for strengthening America at home and in the world, a, a, a regnery, um, excuse me, a republic uh, book. Uh, published by our friend Al Regnery. And Joe Johnson is the author of the book. And so I said, I'll get Joe on the phone. Joe, welcome back to the program. How are you? Yes. uh, Good afternoon, Ed. It's great to be here. Great to talk to you. So first, uh, Joe, um, we just passed Independence Day, and we've lived through a period of the sort of woke media, liberal, uh, I don't know what, uh, universities, everybody wanting us to forget our histories or at least change them. Um, and Independence Day came and want in your book, you talk a lot about or you reference some about the need for patriotism and the need for a culture that, um, uh, you know, respects and honors its history. Um, when you watched Independence Day this year, go past and you participated in whatever ways. Have we lost it <laughs> completely? Have we lost it a lot? Have you, are you confident we actually haven't lost it, even though the elites uh, want us to? Well, I don't think we've lost it entirely, Ed. Although I am dismayed by the what the Biden administration is doing. I mean, they started out by uh, canceling the Keystone Pipeline and, right. and attempting to destroy the oil and gas business and then spending trillions of dollars, literally trillions with a T of dollars. Uh, federal spending in, in, 19, in 2021 was $7 trillion. The budget deficit in 2020 was over three trillion, and and now is is continuing. In other words, there's a, a tremendous degree of financial uh, irresponsibility on the part of our federal government, which is positive evidence of national decline. Uh, we're talking again with Joe Johnson. His book from Republic Book Publishers uh, is "The Decline of Nations." Um, Joe. Is the inflation problem, uh, it's not the fruit of just um, three months, right? I mean, we're, we're, it's the bitter fruit of, of a long period of, of, of government growth and spending and printing money that's put us here, right? Well, that's right. Uh, there is a tendency to overspend. This goes back a long way, actually. It goes back to the New Deal. I mean, it was Harry Hopkins, I think, I could be wrong about that, who said, the philosophy of government in those days was tax and tax, spend and spend, elect and elect. Mm. That was the democratic mantra. 
and it still is. Hmm. I mean, spending huge amounts of money in order to buy votes is the name of the game. And I'm afraid that that kind of irresponsibility is uh, is continuing. Uh, again, we're talking to Joe Johnson. Um, Joe, uh, liberal world order. It, it used to be for a period, I think it was George H.W. Bush that called it the new world order. And it was the, in the period after the Soviet Union fell, uh, where, you know, for 50 years after World War II, we'd had us versus the Soviets, two competing systems, two competing super nations, you know, superpowers. Now it was gone. And so we had this new world order that uh, George H.W. Bush um, talked about, at least. And then we had things like uh, the growth in the World Trade Organization, World Health Organization, some multinational uh, or um, uh, kind of trade deals. Yeah. Uh, between you know multilateral trade deals. And then the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, But it felt like we were shifting when it came to understanding nation under Trump. And first of all, were we, you know, going back to our our feeling of, hey, America first was something about nationhood. Um, Was it sufficient? Meaning, was it broad enough? Not just a slogan, not just a political um, party or movement, but a cultural movement. I think I know the answer. And second, did it all just go away when we when the Democrats were elected? Well, Trump did try to do something about it. No, no question about that. I mean, he emphasized, for example, control of our borders. Now there is absolutely no control of the borders. There's massive illegal immigration, and Trump tried to do something about that. He had the Remain in Mexico policy, for example. That's been completely forgotten. Uh, he attempted to, to balance the budget. Now there's no even remote attempt to balance the budget. Uh, and and there's, there are continuing massive federal deficits. Uh, national defense is, is facing a crisis. Uh, the, the recent uh, Heritage Foundation Index of Military Strength has ranked the uh, military, various military services as either marginal or weak. And so uh, we face difficulties on a number of fronts. We're talking Which, Joe, Joe, Joe Johnson, The Kind of Nations is the book, um, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. Um, Joe, it, the um, w- when we're weak at home, the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, our enemies can see it and our, our, our allies know it. You know, I mean, every in fact, she said it the other way. She used to talk about military superiority. So our enemies know they don't want to mess with us and our allies can see our strength. So um, but back also to this strange Ukrainian, you know, war we're fighting, we're funding it. And, you know, a couple of days ago in Switzerland, I think. Um, in the interview I just did with John Schlafly, um, 47 nations signed on to rebuild Ukraine when the war's over, you know, a Marshall Plan for Ukraine. So, and it's, I don't know, $800 billion or something, which is what we'll end up paying most of it. Um, is this uh, Ukraine, uh, is it a boondoggle? Is it an extension of the liberal world order? I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on it? Well, it's, it's not our fight, Ed, really. I mean, we can help Ukraine, yes. Uh, but it's it's this is not something that we should have our military directly engaged in, and not, something that not something that we should be financing alone or even as a as a major partner. This is a European issue. It's not our issue. And while we can help Ukraine, uh, 
there's some lessons in what's happening in Ukraine. For example, the use of drones, electronic surveillance, and space-based surveillance uh, make concealment of military maneuvers much more difficult. Uh, but there's, it's still an old-fashioned war involving massive amounts of heavy artillery, uh, the importance of logistics, and so on. And we should not be single-handedly or even as a, as a majority partner financing that. Uh, we're, we're talking Joe Johnson again. The book is The Decline of Nations. Joe, at the end of the book, in the last chapter, you talk about, um, you know, are we too far gone? And, and one of the things that we go around, uh, towards the end, you're talking about education and culture. This is the one when you and I see each other socially, we come around to often. Um, I mean, w- we haven't lost one generation in terms of formation of sort of education and culture. We've lost about five, right? I mean, and is there... Is there much hope in sight? Well, our educational system in this country continues to deteriorate. There's no doubt about that. I mean, parents have to fight with school boards and teachers' unions to prevent leftist indoctrination of their children with critical race theory and things like that, while the the basics of uh, mathematics, civics, uh, reading and so forth, science are not being taught, and 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 we've got to change that, and we've got to emphasize more of the basics that our founding fathers taught, which are strong institutions like strong families, strong strong religious institutions, and strong schools and communities, and principles like the basic virtues of hard work, honesty, thrift, discipline, patriotism, sound money, and fiscal responsibility, and the rule of law, which are no longer taught in the schools. Uh, uh, Joe Johnson's our guest. I should have I buried the lead a little bit, Joe. I should have told everyone, besides being an author in the book, is that Decline of Nations uh, practiced law for many, many years and uh, in all across the country, and especially New York and D.C. Um, uh, talk about institutions, um, Joe. The Supreme Court seemed to correct what was even some on the left, some honest lawyers on the left said, yeah, you know, Roe v. Wade and Casey were really sort of a made up thing. It was a it was, a, you know, the ends justified the means to people that wanted abortion rights, blah, blah, blah. So they changed that. Are, are, but but at the same time, we have justices homes being not just picketed, but targeted. And so when when it became, um, I don't know, too too problematic for the left to to think that the court was doing the right thing, they decided to demean the court. Um, I, I guess your thoughts on uh, Dobbs and this court, uh, this court term that just ended and also the state of respect for the institution. Well, there are some hopeful signs. Uh, the the uh, repeal of Roe versus Wade, in my opinion, was a correct decision. Roe versus Wade was not well founded as a matter of legal logic, and uh, getting getting rid of it, I think, was the right decision. There is an, another decision, West Virginia versus EPA, recently the court handed down, which is very positive in the sense that it it limited the ability of federal agencies to pass sweeping mandates uh, in environmental law without any authorization from Congress, uh, it has, both of those decisions are, are hopeful in the sense that they point toward a much more responsible Supreme Court 
than what we've had in the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. All right. Well, I tell everybody, uh, I, I, I tell you, when I have some questions, I look at this book, The Decline of Nations, from my friend Joe Johnston, uh, and available again, Republic Book Publishers, republicbookpublishers.com. Uh, they have a lot of great books they've been publishing. It's uh, Eric Campman and our old friend Al Regnery. So uh, thank you, Joe. And uh, we'll, you and I will have to get lunch very soon. I appreciate you coming on and appreciate your insight at this time. Well, I enjoyed it very much, Ed. Thank you. you. All right. Thank you. We'll talk again very soon. Uh, All right, everybody, we'll take a break. And when we come back, don't worry, I'll put all this up on social media, all the links to the book and the uh, site uh, and Republic Book Publishers. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Dr. Anthony Fauci delivered a bizarre commencement address at the University of Michigan, where he implied that freedom of speech should be the next lockdown target. After botching the COVID pandemic, Team Fauci needs a backup plan to reduce their accountability in the upcoming midterm elections. Fauci sang from the same song sheet recently used by other officials in the Biden administration. Their top priority has become to control information and demonize those who dare to question the powers that be. All of this in order to limit the political fallout that would otherwise drive liberals out of office. To the young graduates, Fauci preached, It is our collective responsibility not to sink to a tacit acceptance of the normalization of untruths. Ironically, Fauci was speaking before a combined graduation of several years for students who were denied a timely commencement ceremony because of the very misguided restraints imposed by Fauci. A generation ago, liberal speakers urged college graduates to embark on the lifelong pursuit of free inquiry. Today's liberals urge the opposite approach, to lock down debate and criticism of anything contrary to what leftist elites dictate. There Fauci stood, maskless, and bestowed his words of wisdom during what was called a comeback commencement. Much of America has predictably stopped listening to Fauci altogether, and he can't even keep his story straight with the White House. Prior to the onset of the pandemic, Fauci disparaged mask wearing as paranoid, and after the pandemic began, he criticized drugstore masks as ineffective. Yet before long, Fauci became insistent on mandatory mask mandates, even for schoolchildren having little to fear from COVID. The flip-flopping Fauci is a case study in why young people should welcome intellectual scrutiny. Blindly trusting the science as defined by those in power is to reject everything that makes intellectual pursuits possible. Might does not make right, and power should not mean persuasion. Universities should encourage graduates to pursue truth rather than being fed the line of those in authority. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just got a couple minutes to, minutes to finish up. And let me just follow on to um, what we were talking about at the end of the program. If you don't want the Biden administration to cave to China on the tariffs, you need to make some noise. And I'm telling you that they're floating this to see what the reaction is. And if the reaction is predictably from the powers that be, Wall Street, uh, the elites in Washington that, oh, yeah, we want uh, we want the tariffs down so we'll increase our business and our take, then they'll let it happen. But if the grassroots is rising up, I think you're going to see people like Pelosi and Schumer say, hey, don't give us this drag now. Wait until after the election. They'll still do it. Don't get me wrong. So you can make some noise and try to stop this. And I think you'll have some success. So that first segment, the the wink today, go ahead and listen to that again and send it on to somebody. Contact your legislator, contact the leader in your community. Maybe it's in the party and say, hey, don't go back on the tariffs against China. All of our biggest industries rely on us standing up to China. Otherwise, they're just getting we're all getting rolled and forced to be uh, be subservient to the Chinese cheaters, the communist Chinese cheaters who are taking advantage of us. So stand up, find your way forward. And again, check out on social media, ProAmericaReport.com at Eagle Ed Martin. You'll see I'll put up there these uh, links to these stories and the articles about it. Uh, that's what you need to know. And that's what you need to do. All right. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer. Thank you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there. The Wink, what you now know, which comes out each morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. Until then, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.